0: Everyone, thanks for joining us on Health Affairs This Week. I'm Leslie Erdelac. And I'm Jessica Bylander. So we're taking a little bit of a different approach with today's episode because we're going to be talking about the July issue of Health Affairs, which was focused on border and immigrant health. So we've done these theme issues before. In other words, collection of papers that are dedicated to a single topic the last theme issue we had was on climate change and health and it's really fun to be involved in the process but you also have to contend with a lot of unknowns along the way and so Jess you and I were co-editors on this issue and thinking back to last year in the summer of 2020 when we really started to see a more concerted effort to bringing this issue to life it was sort of an unsettled kind of moment in time with covid and the election on the horizon there were just a lot of uncertainties and dynamics at play that made it hard to anticipate the kind of policy environment that we'd be living in when fast forward a year uh, when we publish the issue so i've been reflecting on that and i really do think that this issue comes at such a critical moment. This week, immigration reform has been in the news again, following a major ruling from a federal judge in Texas on the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, or DACA. And it's a program that prevents the deportation of thousands of young immigrants brought into the US as children. Democrats are also trying to get immigration measures like a pathway to citizenship included, potentially, in a budget reconciliation bill. So we'll have to see where that goes. And then we also learned this week that the US borders with Mexico and Canada are going to remain closed through August for non-essential travel due to COVID-19. And that's even as Canada plans to reopen its borders to fully vaccinated Americans. So there's been a lot of mixed messaging and a lot of pressure, I think, in particular at our southern border, where you have just an extremely challenging political climate, but also just what are really fundamental humanitarian issues affecting people on both sides of the U.S.-Mexico border. So our July issue sort of straddles these two disciplines, border health and immigration policy, and I think it offers good empirical content along with some commentary pieces on health in the border region and health care for immigrants in the U.S.
1: Yeah, Leslie, this has been a really dynamic time to be thinking through these topics. I mean, when we started putting together the lineup of of invited papers for this issue, um, it was back in the summer of 2020. So we had an election ahead of us and really no idea what direction immigration and border policy might be going as so much of it hinged on the outcome of that election. So fast forward to November and beyond, and with the new Biden administration, the rhetoric around immigration definitely began to change quite quickly, as you'd imagine. Um, and with that came actual changes in policy as well. So for instance, one Trump-era policy, often known as Remain in Mexico, which required certain people who were seeking asylum in the U.S. to wait in Mexico until it was time for their court proceeding Um that in practice actually led to overrun migrant shelters and tent communities spring up along the border with very poor living conditions and a lot of health and safety issues. So with the new administration, we saw that policy begin to be dismantled. And we've also seen a ramp up in efforts to process and release families that are in those family detention centers along the border, as well as the migrant shelters um, on the other side of the border. The new administration also reversed course on a 2019 change to the what's called the public charge rule which had ended up in practice discouraging immigrants from using nutrition and health benefits like Medicaid and SNAP, for which they were eligible, out of fear of maybe being denied a green card. So some of the papers in the July issue examine these policies, which are no longer in place, but they offer some important lessons about how decisions made in Washington, D.C. have extremely detrimental impacts for real people. And a lot goes into putting together a theme issue like this. It's a long process with and put from many different people along the way, from funders to our theme issue advisors and outside experts on the topic, as well as all the different departments at health fairs. This issue was funded by the California Healthcare Foundation, the California Endowment, and the Con Alma Health Foundation. And we had a fantastic issue advisor in Arturo Vargas Bustamante of the UCLA Fielding School of Public Health. So, from More than 119 proposed papers, we invited 26, which ended up with the 16 papers you'll see in the July issue. And Leslie, as you mentioned, this issue spans the topics of border health and immigration policy. So what stood out to you among the papers about issues along the border?
0: Yeah, so about half of the papers in the issue focus on borders and border health and one of the things that we had to recognize early on was that people migrate for various reasons for their families because of economic disparities political corruption because of climate change so while the demographics of the immigrant population in the u.s are changing there's a lot to be said i think about changes in the pattern of human migration and not just from central america where i think a lot of our attention is currently focused but also more globally So one of the takeaways from this issue is the idea that not only can health look very different for people living on either side of a border, but but health also looks different for the people who are moving between them. And we had a paper in the July issue that focuses on Mexico and specifically on the flow of migrants who are returning from the U.S. who travel across the border and repatriate in Mexico. And most Mexican migrants who are returning from the U.S. are doing so voluntarily. um, And a much smaller fraction of Mexico's return migration is because of deportation. This paper starts to get into binational health policy issues and some of Mexico's inherent health care challenges. You've also probably heard that Vice President Harris was put in charge of diplomatic efforts to address the root causes of migration from the Northern Triangle countries of Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. So if you're familiar with any of the stories about these asylum seekers who are traveling from Northern Triangle countries trying to get to the U.S. It's not simply a regional or foreign policy issue, but it's really a matter of life and death for these migrants. And we have a paper in the issue that looks at medical evaluations for asylum seekers coming from Central America that documents all of the various forms of trauma and and violence that they've experienced. And it's one of the paper's that we have that looks at these more mobile populations who are moving through different borders to reach a destination. And lastly, because right now, um, like I said at the top, we're in the midst of the debate around border reopenings. And I also wanted to share that we have a commentary from researchers at the Migration Policy Institute in this issue that considers how COVID-19 is reshaping border management in the US and it draws parallels with policy changes made after 9-11. So it's an interesting think piece that makes you kind of appreciate just how difficult all of this is gonna be because in part we've had such opposing viewpoints on how to address international travel and migration during COVID-19. So again, it's really timely content around migration and border health, um, but we also had some great papers on health and healthcare for immigrants in the US, Jess.
1: Yeah, and those papers you, you mentioned really highlight the health challenges that border policy decisions can bring. But as we know, of course, once an individual immigrates to a new country, the challenges don't end. So many factors, including their citizenship status, their geographic location, so where they end up in the U.S., and language barriers influence immigrant health and can contribute to health disparities. So we have several other papers in the issue that deal with the various health impacts of immigration. For instance, I'll highlight one paper by our advisor Arturo Bustamante that looks at how the demographics of immigrants in the U.S. have shifted over the past decades and what policy challenges that brings up. Since 1960, the share of immigrants coming from Latin America and Asia has increased fourfold in this country, but many might be surprised to learn that immigration from Mexico has slowed since the Great Recession. And since 2009, actually more Asian than Latino immigrants have come to the U.S. One really important topic that the paper highlights is that while immigrants on the whole tend to be a younger population, there's changing trends. So immigrants are staying here for longer, and there are declining numbers of new immigrants. So with that, the immigrant population staying here in the U.S. is increasingly aging. So from a policy perspective, We're just not prepared to care for the health of an aging immigrant population, some of which will not be eligible for Medicare. So that paper tackles those important policy issues. Another paper in the issue um, talks about how immigration enforcement activity can have a chilling effect on health. So you might hypothesize that aggressive immigration enforcement activity might make undocumented immigrants and those close to them reluctant to seek medical care. Well, authors in our July issue did find that Increases in ICE activity in immigrant states was associated with decreased rates of having a regular provider or annual checkup. And as mentioned, while the, public, the change to the public charge rule in 2019 has been revoked, we have a paper in the issue that looks at the impact of that change and finds that it likely caused 2.1 million essential immigrant workers and household members to forego Medicaid and 1.3 million to forego SNAP assistance. So as we mentioned, a lot goes into bringing one of these theme issues to light, and a lot happens once it's been published.
0: Yeah, and hopefully you've heard about, or maybe you've even participated in one of the events that we hosted in conjunction with the release. That's
1: right. We held an event on July 12th focused on border health, and on July 20th focused on immigrant health. Both of these events led to some really engaging and even emotional conversations and kind of a call to action for policymakers going forward. Let's play a clip of what Hilda Davila Chavez of the Mexican government had to say at the first of our two events, which highlighted the papers on border health policy.
2: I would like to commend Health Affairs, the Health Affairs team, and the amazing group of authors for putting together an extraordinary issue that provides solid information, and a way forward to deal with two of the most important issues that at least until a couple of years ago were seldom priorities at national agendas, either in Mexico or in the United States, such as health and immigration. When I mean priorities, I mean that you have the funding, that you have a stable budget, that you have a budget enough to address the challenges that you face. So this health affairs issue is pure gold, and I'm talking as a prior public servant at the Mexican Federal Secretary of Health, is pure gold for policymakers on both sides of the border
0: always great to hear feedback like that. So kudos and congratulations to everyone who contributed to the issue. It got some nice coverage too, Jess, in um, places like Axios, Politico, and a few Spanish media outlets as well. So be sure to check out the issue. And I think that just about wraps it up for today's episode. Hopefully you learned a little bit more about borders, immigrants, and health be sure to check out The Issue, and thanks for listening to Health Affairs this week. If you like the episode, tell a friend. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Jess.
1: Thanks, Leslie. Bye.